In this episode, we are talking with Dr. Cam, who is a teen parent coach. If you are parenting a teen, you need to listen to this episode. She gives us three main points of how we can have a better connection and a better relationship with our teens, but also help them have more confidence going forward. Yeah, truly. What is the conversation you're having with your teens? Are you butting heads? Are you on two different planets? It feels like sometimes she gives us some really powerful takeaways of how to better communicate with our teenagers. Dr. Cam received her doctorate in development psychology from George Mason University, and she is a adolescent psychologist and family success coach. You are going to get some powerful tips from her today. We learned how we failed many times raising our teens, but man, I've learned a lot today. But now we know better, so we can do better. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. We are two everyday women who have survived, thrived, been defeated, humbled, and spent our lives committed to embracing all complexities of being a woman. This podcast is dedicated to all women, all women searching for real conversations. We are gonna be exploring everything from sexuality, aging, menopause, physical and mental health, spirituality, marriage, divorce, and blended families. Everything is on the table. Except politics. Every episode will be committed to engaging conversations that will include interviews with influential women, leaders, healers, authors, and good friends. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Okay, well, I am super excited today because we have a pretty powerful guest on, and I wish I would have met you about 15 years ago. (laughs) I'm now involved in number six, a teenager. So I've been through six teenagers, but man, I could have used you then. But we're so excited to introduce you to Dr. Cameron Caswell. She goes by Dr. Cam. She is a adolescent psychologist and family success coach. So I love that. So welcome, Dr. Cam. Thank you so much for having me, you too. Well, and let's not forget that you have your own podcast. I do have my own podcast, Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. And it is about parenting teens with me, Dr. Cam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have been listening to your podcast and there are so many things going on. And I've I've just realized so many things I did wrong, but not to beat ourselves up because as you have said, it's never too late. Um, But tell us what you're hearing more often. What are, what are the hot topics? So really, I mean, these are the hot topics I'm hearing on my show, but also I I meet with clients. So I have a private practice as well. So I'm meeting with teenagers and parents every day. And it is the arguing is a big issue. Anxiety is a huge issue. Lack of motivation, wanting to do their schoolwork and trying to motivate them to do that. Um, you know, the attitude and those are, those are really the things and tech use. Those are the things that come up over and over and over again. And so what's interesting to me is that the answers that all these different experts come on and say, virtually narrow down to some of the core things that I also teach. And so my hope is by having people having a lot of different voices saying virtually the same thing, it's going to, one of those voices is going to sink in. And someone's going to be like, oh, now I get it. But the number one thing 
I'm going to tell you the number one secret for raising teens, listening. Yeah. And, and, and a store. Listening without judgment. Listening. So yes. So we don't listen well. And I, parents, we all think we listen well. No one listens well because we listen for our turn. We listen to get information that we need to respond to. And so we are, we turn it around and we like fix it. We lecture, we pep talk, we do whatever. That's not listening. Uh, Listening is not adding your own piece to it. It's empathizing with them and saying, wow, that, that must've been tough. Oh, so I heard that on one of your podcasts of listening. And I heard one of the comments of, wow, that sounds really, really hard. Um, giving them a, a space to talk about it. But tell us and tell our listeners out there how, if we're in the middle of it right now, which you have a teenager. Right I do. Now, right? <laughs> 15 years old. Yep. Uh-huh. So what are steps we can take right now if we're feeling that combativeness? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our teens are going through their post, post-pandemic or they're still kind of in it. Yeah. So much has changed in our world. And parenting, I think, has changed a lot as well. But what can we do? What can they start doing today to help them better communicate with their teens? So the biggest thing is, and people say this all the time, and people are like, I can't do that, is to not take it personally. And I can't emphasize this enough because when our kids talk to us from this emotional place, which, by the way, every teen is in their brain growth, how their brain is wired is in an emotional state. So everything is high emotion. Everything is of importance. So when we read their emotion as disrespect as any of those, and it triggers us, and then we add our emotion, it just inflames the whole situation. And so now we're on a spiral. So when we have a child that's coming to us and communicating in a way that mm, not digging the tone, step back and go, you know what? It's not about me. They're so emotional right now. And this is so important to them and they don't feel heard. The disrespect that we hear is really our teens trying to communicate and break through and be heard and their frustration. We're hearing their frustration. So if we step back and say, okay, this isn't about me. Clearly they're upset about something. Let me listen to what they're upset about. Let me figure that out. Because once kids are able to express their emotion and we validate it, sometimes it's all they need. It's all they need. Sometimes that will start reducing that stress right there because the goal ultimately is to help them through that emotion. And when we add our own emotion on, it just makes it harder for anyone to get through the emotion. It just makes it bigger. So I really feel like kind of falls in line with how we are responding to our teens communicating with us. So as parents, our goal is that our children are telling us what's going on in their lives and their worlds. And when they do come to us with a problem or a situation, we tend to get emotionally attached to it and think the worst when it's a tough conversation. And we react to that. And what we're showing our children is that we can't handle it. Exactly. If we are reactionary to what they're sharing, then we are not doing a service to them or ourselves because then we risk that they are not going to come to us with the big stuff. That's right. They won't. I love what you're saying about taking a step back, sitting through listening, because in every situation, I think it helps them to gain confidence in us that we can handle 
the conversation. That is such a big, big piece of this. And this is what teens are telling me all the time. Cause I ask them, I'm like, have you talked to this, talk to your parents about this? Like, Oh God, no, no way. They would never. And here's one of the things I don't think parents realize is a lot of teens don't share difficult information with them, not because they're afraid of getting in trouble, but they're afraid of burdening their parents. They see how stressed out their parents are. They don't want to disappoint their parents. They don't want their parents to freak out. So they prefer, and I'm talking kids who are literally suicidal, will not tell their parents because they don't want to panic them, that are being bullied, that don't want to tell their parents because they don't want to be a burden. And so, right? And so we hear this. And when I, and I'll facilitate, I'll have the parents and the child in there and I'll facilitate that conversation. And I think it's really eye-opening for both to realize because the parents had no idea that their kids were afraid to tell them. And the kids had no idea that it was safe, that their parents actually wanted to know. And they were actually more worried when they didn't know what was going on, right? And so it opens that line of communication, but it's, no one is willing. I don't know if it's willing, but no one's open to doing that because their fear of rejection and they make assumptions of what the other person's thinking. It's not the case. I've never met a kid that doesn't want a better relationship with their parent. I just want to touch base on what you said about anxiety and the anxiety seems so much greater in teens now. And maybe I just didn't pay attention to it before, but anxiety seems at an all-time high for teenagers. What is attributing to that? So here's my theory based on, I don't have, I haven't done research on this, but here's my theory based on everything I've talked to it and all the research I've done on just brain development. The teen brain is the same as it's always been. It goes through the same developmental process, right? The world and all this stimulation and all the pressures and all the stuff that they have to deal with, that has increased exponentially over the past just decade. I mean, they're not less resilient. They have more to be resilient against and their brains don't have the capacity to do it. So they're not broken. They need help to be able to navigate all of this craziness. And we as parents need to help them navigate it. You know, a lot of parents, I think their reaction is it's social media, social media is the problem, blah, blah, blah. It's not the problem. It exasperates the problem. It adds to it. But kids are not, it's not causing depression. It's not causing anxiety. It's where kids who are depressed and anxious turn to and get fed more and more and more. So we can protect, the parents can protect our kids by building up their esteem, by having those communications, by really having them trust us and having those conversations, because we need to teach our kids how to be able to use social media in a healthy way. We're not going to get rid of it. We're not. It's there. It's if that goes away, something else is going to come in its place. And if we haven't dealt with it from the fundamental inside of who our teen and our child is, that's when they're in danger of these outside influences. So that to me is we just need to get our kids and help them navigate this because it's way harder than it was when we were young, way more. Yeah. Well, and you talked about just, you just mentioned the confidence piece and you did an episode that kind of spoke on this where our kids feeling confidence 
And we mirror that with them. So our role as parents, if our communication is of such that it brings the shame or the fear, because we are parenting out of fear, clearly is why we're not purposely or intentionally doing it. But as we're parenting a situation or our child, we're so afraid of an action that they've done that that means the end of the world. It means prison. It means not graduating, whatever that looks like. And so we have now had given them question and they're in their confidence. So what can we do better with that part of communicating and how can we change that dialogue? There, there's many things with this one. And I think the first one is we need to check our own stories. Um, I think the biggest issue right now, what I'm hearing over and over again is grades. Um, parents have this belief that if their kids aren't getting straight A's, their future's ruined if they, if they don't do that. And I'm sorry, it's not true. <laughs> it's, it, it's not true. There, there's just nothing, any evidence of that, but we have this belief. One of my, I have a lot of theories. One of my theories too, of this is we have now equated good grades to good mental health. And so because we don't have a way to measure mental health, a lot of parents feel like, well, if my kid's getting A's, they must be okay. That again is not at all true. In fact, a lot of the kids struggling to get straight A's are the ones that are the most anxious and depressed because there's so much pressure on them to do that. And they don't have anything else that they're really loving. Um, The other thing I think is really when we have these beliefs and we get so focused on this one thing, like you've got to get good grades, we end up doing these punitive kind of, it's kind of manipulating them, right? It's like, if you don't study and get straight A's, you're grounded, you don't get your phone, you don't get all these things that actually are the few things that bring our kids joy. So we end up taking the few things that help combat anxiety and depression away from them. So that they are focused on this one thing and there's so much pressure. And then our kids are afraid to fail because our kids are like, oh, my God, if I don't get an A, mom and dad told me my future's ruined. And here's what's really interesting. Most kids I talk to tell me the fear they have about not getting an A is that their parents are going to get angry at them. That's the only thing. That's what's driving them. And as parents where a lot of parents are okay with that. We're like, okay, that's, that was the purpose. I wanted to put the fear of God in them so they would get an A. But what are we teaching them? Right? We're, we're not, they're not motivated internally. They're only doing it because they don't want to get in trouble. They're not motivated to learn. And now we're so disconnected and they feel so un, un, like conditionally loved based on their grades that we're telling them the story that's just freaking them out. And now they're petrified of failing, which leads to cheating, leads to lying, leads to, you know, everything else. So we got to really be careful on what messages we're giving our kids. Oh, well, I am so happy you said that because Dr. Cam, like it's like a, it's, it's like a bad mix, right? Of you have to get good grades And then also parents don't want their kids to fail. I mean, we have witnessed time and time again, and the parents almost get embarrassed if the kid comes home with an F. It's about us. We're worried about how it reflects on us. Yes. And we have lost the ability. I know when we were growing up, 
I mean, we felt all the time and you had to learn from your mistake. And I am one who never got straight A's outside of elementary school. <laughs> um, but I love that you put that together because just because they're getting straight A's doesn't mean they're mentally okay. And it's, right. it's a mask kind of, of like, oh, well, they're good. They're getting good grades. They're oh. good. And I'm being, a, I'm a good parent because yep. my child's getting A's, which means I'm getting A's as a parent. And we're measuring what is healthy and good with these grades because it's the easiest, most tangible thing to measure by. But it doesn't even, grades don't even indicate our kids are learning anything. Right. I mean, they're, they're meant and test. And I, I tell my kids this, um, and I say my kids, my daughter, plus the kids that I, can, I work with, when they're anxious about a test, I said the purpose of tests, at least in theory, are supposed to be measuring what you know and what you still need to learn. So take this as a test of just, hey, let's measure what I know. And when they go with it at this, from this rate, they're like, okay, why am I stressed? Because I'm either going to find out I know more or I'm going to find out I still have stuff to learn. That's, that's what it's for. It's not yeah. a, oh my God, you're stupid because you failed. It's, I don't know this information well. And we've changed it and we've, we've just, we've warped it so much that it becomes the source of pure anxiety that our kids, and I talk to kids that would rather, and this is not to scare people, but literally have tried to overdose rather than go to school to take a test that they might fail because they don't feel ready for it. They're so petrified. This is not the right message. No, it's not. Does this fall in line, Dr. Cam, with tags and labels? Can you talk to us about tags and labels and how what we're doing as parents that's creating that? Yeah, I think one of the things that we're doing, and it's been, let me just say this. I am not, I am never about beating parents up. I'm just about waking them up. It's about informing them because we're all doing it from the right place. All of us. We want the best for our kids. We want them to be confident. We want them to be happy. We just are taking cues and lessons from really old practices that have been proven time and time again to be ineffective, but we don't know what else to do. So we keep doing it that way. So one of the things that we learned back in the 60s was this whole idea of self-esteem, right? We need to build up their self-esteem. Once again, we have taken this so far out in left field that now we're doing awards for everyone <laughs> and we can't use red ink and you can't like, and now it's just ridiculous, right? Like this is, and this is actually making it worse. Because when we're boosting our kids up by saying, you're so, you're so smart. And I hear this all the time. They're so smart. I keep telling them how smart they are. They're, they can figure this out. They're so talented. I don't know why they won't try out. They're so talented. They're beautiful. I don't know why she doesn't un appreciate her body. I keep telling her how beautiful she is. The problem with these compliments and these ways to boost them up is it's based on things that they have zero control over. There's, they don't have the power of being now all of a sudden, either I'm born smart or I'm born not smart. So if people think I'm smart and nobody ever thinks they're smart as everyone's telling them to be. So now they feel like people are, you know, it's false. Now they're terrified because now they go, my value is being smart. Mom has told me that over and over again, my value is being smart. If I take this test and fail, 
that shows her I'm not that smart. And then what's my value? If I'm talented and I try out for the team and I don't make it, that means I'm not as talented, then where's my value? And so we're building kids up, but in the meantime, we're actually decreasing their motivation. We're putting this fear of failure in them because it's one or the other. And so what we really want to do is focus on the effort that they're putting into it. We really want to encourage them. And this means if they get a C on a test, but you know they studied their butt off, it's not about the C, it's about the fact that they studied their butt off, right? You improved it. And I I tell this story because I had one client that I just loved because we had been working with this a while and she was very worried about her son's grades not doing well. Her son brought home a D plus. And she said, wow, you brought your grade up from an F to a D plus. How did you do that? And he just lit up because he was so ready to be reamed and have everything taken. He was like, I did. This is what I did. I know I can do more of that. I know now what I need to do. I bet I can bring it up to a C next time. I bet you can if you do more of that. What a difference then. No, D plus, not good enough. You got, you're grounded, go study. You're grounded until you can get it up. That's not motivating them. That's not teaching them. That's just demotivating them and making them not trust you and making them really angry. A plus to that parent. <laughs> right? Nice, yeah. nice job. <laughs> I was so proud. <laughs> I'm having so many aha moments of, you know, I always said I needed a handbook in raising my children because there were so many places you just didn't know where to turn to, to get the right answer. Um, But man, you are really bringing a lot to light of, of how we can just be better. And that kind of goes back to, so if you're going from an F2D plus and you're, they're getting reprimanded for not it, then that comes to you as. I never, it's never good. Yeah. Why bother? Why I'm not good enough. Even bother. And I hear that over and over and over again from my teen clients all the time. They don't care about me. They only care about my grades. Nothing I do is good enough. Why even try? I'm going to get in trouble anyway. I think my mom looks for reasons to take my phone away. Like they're not getting the message we think we're giving them at all. Oh, that's so such an eye opener. Okay. So what is one thing we're hearing a lot about what teens are saying, which I think is so, I just appreciate it so much. What are you hearing parents say? Has things changed over the years? Um, or is it still pretty consistent? It's, it's consistent. And, and what, and this is, this is really why I got into what I was doing. I was teaching adolescent psychology and I taught a night class. So I had all these parents in my class that were like going back to school and they started coming up to me and saying, Oh my God, Dr. Cam, what you're teaching is changing our relationship with our own kids because we get them now. And so there's just this big disconnect of what we are expectations of teenagers and our understanding of teenagers. And so we, first of all, go into adolescence thinking it's going to suck. And guess what? Then it sucks because we're looking for evidence to support the fact that our teens are a pain in the butt. And then we also read their behaviors, which they are pulling away. They're going through a, a phase. It's really essential for them. We're seeing all the negative aspects of it, not the positive. And when you can flip it 
and you can look at the positive attributes of your teen and you can appreciate the fact that they're like passionate about things and have so much emotion about things and are so like wanting to explore themselves and new things. When you see that side, it's reinvigorating to us as a person. Like it's so amazing to learn, look through life through their eyes when they're not all jaded like we are, you know, and ready instead of pounding it out of them going, wow, let me learn. And I I love talking to kids and hanging out and hearing the world from them. But I think we as parents often feel like we know best. We know everything. Just listen to us. Just do as we say. And I'm going to be honest. We don't know everything. There's a lot of people, adults that are really have low confidence, high anxiety, depression, hate their jobs that they got an A for to get in the right schools, to get the right job and are miserable in it. I don't think we always know the answer. So when we just try to pound that into our kids saying we know what's best for them, I think that's short shifting our kids um, and not letting them to dream. I've heard the stories where we have a teen that is struggling. We can kind of recognize that there's some stuff going on. Um, I think all teens are going through something. I mean, there's just so much pressure with everything that we just talked about. And so we think that if we put them in with a coach or a therapist and they're going, whether it's weekly or every other week. And so for that period of time, they're getting the validation that they need. They're getting to talk without judgment and gain some perspective of themselves and their situation. What I think that you are providing, which I think is so valuable, is how do you provide that, but also teach and coach a parent to connect with their teen at a higher level because there's so much more power there for them to get that validation, not only at that visit, but also throughout their other daily life activities alongside their parents. Talk about that. Chrissy, you nailed it because I work with teens mainly because that's all the parents will allow me to work with. They come to me saying, my teen is depressed. My teen is anxious. My teen needs help. What I do, and that's usually, I try to use that as a foot in the door because I want to work with the parents. Because if I help the teen, and I can, a lot of what we do is giving teens resilience to handle their dynamic with their parents. When I can work with the parents and change the dynamic and how they're showing up, their teen changes. And I don't want the teen to have to come see me every week for the next three years. I want to give the parents the tools so that they can be there for their kids because they're so much more powerful than I am. That is brings so much more. So I want to come in, give the parents the skills that I know will set them up to be successful parents and will help them set their kids up to be successful. Then I remove myself and I let you go. That's my dream. Well, and I think as a parent, I, I have six kids, um, aging 32 to 19. And, you know, I have so many moments like you, Deanna, that I'm looking back at, um, that I wish I had these do-overs. And if I had just had the tools to be able to navigate some of the situations that I did, yeah, I think that I, you know, could have minimized, um, some of the strain in the relationship, but, you know, as we talked We do the best we can with what we know. So what we know is we have options. 
Yeah. And so let's do the best we can with that. And let's find those resources to help us parent our teens better, to build our relationships with our teens so that they can go out into the world with that healthy confidence that we want them to have. Yeah. I think it's Maya Angelou that said, now that I know better, I can do better. Uh, And I think that's all it's about. It's like, we don't beat ourselves up for what we did because we did the best we could with what we knew. Nothing wrong with that. I completely get that. But once you know, there's other ways and there are better ways. And there are ways that you can do it where you can actually enjoy adolescence. You can enjoy that. I think these are some of the best years as a parent, having a kid who's a teenager. They're amazing when you approach it from the right perspective and when you approach it. So when you've got that dynamic, so now that we know there's other ways now, starting today, you can do better. If you had three tips, what are your three best tips you could give us parents? Listen, learn to listen. I cannot stress the importance of this skill as a parent of a teenager. And this means not talking. It means not fixing, not judging. It means listening and validating the way they feel. Even if it's anger at you, you can't change the way they feel. That is non-negotiable. So allow them to feel that way and then get to the bottom of it. The other thing is behavior. It's like a warning sign. It is not the problem itself. So when we see behavior that's troubling to us, rather than trying to stop the behavior, ask yourself why that behavior exists. What's going on? If they're talking disrespectfully, don't try to punish them and talk nicer to me. It's about why do you feel the need to be disrespectful? Is it because you don't feel hurt? Is it because you don't don't realize the tone of your voice, which they don't? I remember my mom always telling me, you know, don't whine so much. And I'm like, I'm just talking. It doesn't sound like whining to me. I don't understand. Right. So it's like, how can you set them up to succeed? It's about setting them up. How can I help them to succeed? Let's be on the same team, not enemies, not fighting each other. Let's support them and set them up. And the other thing is give them full ownership. And when we give them ownership of something that means ownership to fail, I'll talk to parents that are like, well, I gave her ownership of it. You know, she, she was responsible for, you know, whatever, washing the dishes, but she didn't do it the right way. So I had to step in and I go, well, that's not ownership then. If you're saying she has ownership only if she does it the way you want her to do it, when you want her to do it, that's not ownership. That's you. So we need to start giving them ownership, which means ownership to fail and being okay with that. Oh, that is so powerful. Can I ask, can I tag on to that? So Please. with those, I love that listening and, and giving them ownership and um, the behavior thing was an eye opener as well. What about boundaries? So we're talking a lot about communication and I think sometimes it gets skewed that, oh, well, I need to do all of this stuff, but not have boundaries. And that's not what you're saying. No, not even remotely. Can you touch uh, and on I, that? I'm, yeah, Deanne, I'm so glad you asked that because a lot of parents are like, fine, then I just let them walk all over me. No, because that's not helping either, right? We're again, we're setting them up to succeed. And if we're letting them just walk all over us, treat us poorly. The question is, why do they treat us poorly? Let's get to that. And it's also setting the boundaries of, you know, 
I'm okay with you being angry. I'm going to allow you space to be angry. Here are healthy ways. But when you are angry at me in a tone that is that disrespectful, if you're calling me names, that's not okay. The difference is I'm not going to have that argument and conversation when they're in the heat of the moment and I'm heated. That's not going to solve anything. That's just going to trigger more. It's after. It's, okay, you are really angry at this point. I get it. Let me understand why. The way you said it really felt disrespectful to me. And I'm not okay with that. So how do we, you know, let's solve this together. Let's figure out other ways. Um, Making sure that there's boundaries where you know they're going to, if there's something where they're like, that's illegal, that could cause you to die. Like there's things where we've got to set, and I call them guardrails. Where do you need to set up those guardrails that if they drive past that, they're going over the cliff? but they're set far enough apart that they have plenty of room to swerve and self-correct and learn to get, figure it out. Because if we have it so tight, they're not learning anything and they're just set up again to bump, bump, fail, fail. So we got to set up guardrails that are really, where does it cross the line to the point where it's not safe or it's just completely beyond respectful, right? Of what's important. The, one of the ways I like doing this is establishing your top five values in your family. What are really important to you? It is a lot easier for a child to say, is this the kind thing to do versus is this the right thing to do? Because the right thing to do is up for a lot of interpretation. The kind thing to do is a lot easier to define. Then if they do something and they know kindness is the value that we're going for, we have the conversation, the decision you made, do you feel like that was the kind thing to do in that moment? How did you see that as the kind thing to do? Maybe we need to redefine kind. Is there a kinder way you could have done it? Now we're giving our kids the tools to make good decisions on their own. That's based off of some sort of GPS or map rather than, oh my God, is mom or dad going to get me? Am I going to get in trouble? Well, if I hide it, they won't get in trouble or that's just stupid. So I don't believe in that. So I don't care if I get in trouble or I'm going to get in trouble no matter what. So right? So now we've got something that's a lot clearer that they can take into the real world on their own. And now it's set in their head. Okay. Kindness is important. It's just kind. Perfect. Beautifully said. You've taught us so much. I, when I think about parenting and Deanna, you and I have a lot of years of parenting. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I need to learn from you guys. You guys have like had a ton of kids. You've taken a lot of kids through it. So I'm sure you have a lot of amazing insight. Dr. Kim, before we got on, I told Christy, I said, well, I just shamed the crap out of my kids. Now I know I did that. And I did this. <laughs> I, did, I have amazing children. I'm so grateful that they, they turned out okay. But yeah. Um, yeah, I've learned a lot from you. And I, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on because since we were introduced to your podcast, I've shared it with so many people that are oh, in it right now. And I said, Hey, just, and I didn't even know what episode I would be sending them. I said, just follow her. Um, the episodes I've listened to so far are powerful. And I, Christy and I've said this many times, we needed you. I needed hmm. something. And I was willing to learn. I, we were parents who we wanted to learn and I so wanted support, but I didn't really know who to turn to. So you are a breath of fresh air and so grateful for you. And we so love the work we got to meet you. Thank love the work you guys. You. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you guys. So tell our listeners how they can find you. 
Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam podcast is a great way to start if you're listening to podcasts. Um, I do it twice a week. I have different guests on um, every twice a week that we talk about all kinds of different topics. Um, and askdrcam.com is my website. So it's just A-S-K-D-R-C-A-M, Ask Dr. Cam. You go there and you can find out everything else about me, how to, how to reach me, what I offer. Well, you're a pretty powerful lady and we've been to your website. You have some free resources on there as well. I, I, do. I just downloaded the 10 free tips on, um, what was it called? Uh, for raising, raising teens. teens. Yep. Um, but you have a lot on there and you do coaching. Do you coach, um, coaching via zoom or online I person? I do. Okay. No, I've been ever since the pandemic, I started, in fact, I just now started coaching some people in person again. Oh my gosh, I missed that. Um, but I do, I have clients all over the world now. Um, and it's, so it makes it really cool to be able to do this. So I do groups and I do private coaching. Beautiful. Okay. We are going to make sure that our listeners know how to get a hold of you. And I think my big takeaway is your three big points, which I think you drove home for me is the listening. And I can do this with my adult kids. I mean, I, I, everything yeah. you just talked about, it works with spouses. It works with <laughs> friends. All it good. works with everyone. All good stuff. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 